You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Boris Johnson offers a path to British citizenship for 3 million Hong Kong citizens in a move that's been dubbed as confusing by Brexiters still trying to pretend they didn't vote leave out of racism. British firms slashed thousands of jobs in preparation for the furlough scheme coming to a gradual end, proving that they're perhaps not as willing to take risks with their own money for the sake of our future success as the Conservatives think. Theatres collapse into administration and pantomimes across the country are cancelled due to a lack of coronavirus support from the government, who are still loudly shouting, we're behind you, to an entertainment sector replying, oh no, you're not. And finally, confidant of Jeffrey Epstein and princely nonce-enabler Ghislaine Maxwell has been arrested and charged with attempted suicide, with prosecutors stating that they're hoping to upgrade the charges as soon as nobody's looking. Hello and welcome to IC News, the only network willing to keep you safe by passing laws to make it legal for us to bash your face in with a baton before extraditing you to the mainland and stealing your kidneys. We're the only cable news network in town with access to a dimensional gate, meaning that we can interpret the news for you through the prism of the multiverse. If you think things are weird here on Earth Prime, you should check out the parallel worlds where the Conservatives have actually built stuff over the last ten years. Or, better yet, the one dimension out of an infinite array of possibilities where Prince Andrew isn't a colossal wrong'un. It's been a typically upbeat week here in our dimension, with democracy itself only suffering a brutal death in Hong Kong. After Beijing passed a controversial new security law that quickly saw hundreds of pro-democracy protesters arrested, the US has moved to impose sanctions, and Boris Johnson has condemned the move as a clear breach of the 1985 joint declaration designed to protect some of Hong Kong's autonomy for 50 years from the date of its signing. While Western nations have fallen over themselves this week to criticise China's crushing of Hong Kong's freedoms, this week also saw a significant date pass in Israel's plans for annexing the West Bank that they've been weirdly quiet about. For the latest on that story, we now go live to our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Are you fucking mental? Excuse me? I said, are you fucking mental? No, Danny, I'm absolutely not. I just want you to do your job and report on the crisis that's been unfolding in the Palestinian territories. No way, pal. Absolutely no way. I'm not touching this one with a barge pole. There's no chance. If you think you're tarnishing the good name of conspiracy theorists like me by setting me up for accusations of anti-Semitism, you can forget it. I'm not doing it. Find someone else. Right, uh, okay, well, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, I can assure you we will be covering this story one way or another. We might just have to tweak our lineup a bit this week. Uh, we'll return to it later on in the show, but for now, let's cast our minds all the way back to Tuesday, when the Prime Minister held a press conference to outline his administration's plans to level up the country's infrastructure. Here's Tom King with more. 
build, build, build. It's Boris Johnson's latest three-word slogan, and it sounds even more like the semi-comatosed rambling of a labradoodle with a repetitive brain injury than the last one. They're not even bothering with separate words anymore. By the end of Johnson's tenure, every new government policy is going to be announced with a trio of wordless grunts into a microphone, a sort of Morse code designed to set the bulbs flickering in the dimmest and most Pavlovian mindsets. It honestly feels like he's trying to reprogram our national psyche with a sort of primitive hypnotism, and it's both ludicrous and fucking incredible that so many of us are willing to dance like chickens and debase ourselves in response. Three, two, one, you're back in the room. This week saw the Prime Minister slap on a hard hat and unveil his ambitious plans for rebuilding a post-pandemic nation, and blow me if it wasn't as depressing as it was unconvincing. Watching Boris try to bluster his way through anything at the moment is feeling increasingly more desperate as the horrifying reality of just how badly this cabinet of charlatans has fucked every aspect of its coronavirus response continues to hit home. Even his carefully manufactured haircut is looking less charmingly befuddled and more like a recently electrocuted haystack than normal. It's hard to feel like there's any kind of hand at the tiller at all when the ship's captain is looking more and more like he's been dragged through a hedge fund backwards with every passing day. The big reveal of Tuesday's press conference was an apparent boost in funding and a bonfire of red tape for property developers with the aim of building thousands of new homes. But here's the rub. One quick look at the actual figures post-bullshit fest and it turns out that the £12.5 billion allocated in the March budget for the next five years is now going to be stretched over the next eight. Meaning a pledge just a few months old has actually just been drastically slashed in real terms. Then it turned out that the figure also included £2 billion already announced by Theresa May back in 2018 because it just isn't a Johnson administration spending pledge if you aren't double-counting something. This massaging of the figures extends right through just about everything Johnson announced. On their own, the numbers sound impressive, but the individual amounts are borderline worthless when placed against the problems they're allocated to address. What we did get, however, was a series of big fat promises for property developers that essentially free them up to skirt planning permission rules and throw up a whole bunch of identical homes for profit that make them a shed load of cash and do little to address the enormous holes in the country's social housing needs. For Christ's sake, how can you believe any of this build, build bullshit when the housing secretary hasn't even lost his job for trying to help Richard Desmond actively avoid building social housing in order to save millions? This isn't a Roosevelt-styled New Deal in any sense of the word. It's the same old Tory con job, promising the moon and delivering a half-eaten baby bell when you look at it closely enough. Now, I'm here on Earth Victor Whiskey Bodge Job 17, a parallel world where a Conservative government led by Johnson is about to unveil a new hospital built under the Tory dream of a complete lack of regulation. This is the seventh hospital they've unveiled this month, by which I mean it's the seventh time they've unveiled this one. Here's Matt Hancock now, about to cut the ribbon. Dear, looks like that was a load-bearing ribbon. Well, this is a grim scene, and will you listen to that? People are still applauding the financiers that made it possible. This reality is full of even bigger mugs than back home on Earth Prime. 
I'm Tom King, reporting for... Oh, actually, Tom, before you go, is there any chance you'd be able to... What's that? Well, I need somebody to report on a different... Sorry, Sam, uh, I-, I can't hear you. You're breaking up. Well, it's about the Israel-Palestine... <coughs> Tom, can you hear me? Tom, Tom, this is really quite important. No, I'll pay you. No, no. Uh, sorry, I'm not getting a word of it. I'll pay you lots of money. Seriously, it's important we get the I'm story I'm going to have to go. Tom. Sam. Tom. I'm Tom King, reporting for IC News. Unbelievable. Sorry, everybody. Bear with us one second. I do have other reporters on call today, and we will get somebody to report on the situation in the West Bank as soon as possible. Ah, here we go. The desk's lit up. Hi, Che. Thanks for making yourself available so quickly. Not a problem. I think it is important to point out, though, that if this is another job offer that's more interested in exploiting my blackness than valuing my skill set, then you'll be hearing from a union rep. I'm far more interested in geopolitics and international trade developments than I am simply turning up and ticking a diversity box for you. I can promise you this isn't a tokenistic gesture. This has nothing to do with my white guilt. In fact, we'd love for you to do a report for us on something completely unconnected to Black Lives Matter this week. Alright, fine. You've got my attention. How would you feel about reporting on Israel's move to annex large parts of the West Bank? You know what? I'm, uh, <coughs> I'm actually not feeling great this week. Oh, really? That's, that's unfortunate. <coughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, you've got to be safe in the current climate, haven't you? Well, look, Che, I wouldn't dare to cast aspersions on your work ethic, but you seemed quite keen just a few seconds ago until you heard what the story was about. Are you telling a black man at elevated risk from COVID-19 that he should shut up and endanger himself for the sake of the white man's story? No, no, oh God, no, 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 no. Um, of course not. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to have bothered you. That is quite all right, Sam. Once again, I'm happy to have been part of your journey to learn and improve yourself. Thanks. I appreciate that. Sucker! Sorry, again, for everyone at home for all that. It's the uh, it's the perils of live news, I guess. It's not a problem, honestly. We'll continue to work behind the scenes and get that report about the situation in the West Bank to all of you as soon as we can. In the meantime, here's Alison June-Smith with an exclusive report on something else, I guess. Shit, where's my phone book? Social media. It's a bit like herpes. Most of us have got it in one form or another, and those that haven't are nearly always somehow convinced that they're better than everyone else. Oh, so actually you talk to people, do you, Julia? Well, guess what? Those people are all over my newsfeed calling you an asshole. Nobody wants to play Jenga or hike up a hill as a family anymore, you dork. We've got memes and raid shadow legends now. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes social media can be an unpleasant place to be. From behind the safety of a computer screen, we're all far too quick to lose all sense of perspective. On top of that, the Internet is the latest frontier of political discourse. And it's the Wild West out there. Disinformation is everywhere, and hate speech and propaganda are often flourishing out in the open facing little regulation and not enough action on the part of the enormous corporations that make huge profits from our new interconnectivity. Our personal data is currency for platforms like Facebook and Twitter. Through targeted advertising on social media, politicians can now reach their base and any potential floating voters with messaging that hits straight home to their interests and concerns. 
For politicians with fewer hang-ups about exploiting their fears and paranoia, that means drifting into conspiracy theory and fear-mongering. For extreme activist movements that want to prop up those politicians, it can mean outright hate speech. Now, if you're a big multinational advertising on Facebook, there's nothing like a global protest movement to get your asshole twitching with fear about your profit margins. Black Lives Matter has thrown into stark contrast just how profitable hate speech and irresponsible content can be for the big social media players. And now, a new boycott campaign started in the wake of George Floyd's death is forcing them to sit up and take notice. Huge brands are now listening to the Stop Hate for Profit movement and have recently pulled their advertising from Facebook over concern about the social media giant's failure to address the way it amplifies hate speech and sows division. Within hours of Unilever's announcement that they were joining the boycott, everyone's favorite teenager, cosplaying as data from Star Trek, Mark Zuckerberg, was scrambling to respond, announcing a new raft of measures designed to filter out dangerous content and false messaging about voter fraud. Since then, the boycott campaign has continued to grow, with more and more brands signing on to pause their paid advertising on Facebook. Over on YouTube, the channels of white supremacists like Richard Spencer and David Duke have been banned, meaning you can no longer watch their handy video tutorials on how to turn a pillowcase into a hood or how to keep your wooden cross burning in high winds. For both Facebook and Twitter, there's been one obvious exception to any of their rules on spreading hateful and dangerous bullshit, and it's the President of the United States. Trump's love affair with cramming as much white supremacy as he can into 280 characters or fewer is well documented. And he's only just starting to feel any pushback whatsoever from the very platforms that have enabled him. This week, Trump found himself suspended from Twitch. And that is not a good look for Facebook. When you're being outperformed in terms of censoring hate speech by a platform that does about as much to protect women online as the Craigslist murderer did, you've got yourself a major problem. The line between free speech and hate speech really isn't as blurry as some of the Republicans who are the most nervous about this boycott would have you believe. If you can't win an election without lying... The system you want to operate within isn't a democracy. It's a sham. A fake veneer that's all for show. It's the Instagram photo of democracy's ass after they've slapped a filter on it to remove all the cellulite. Stop hate for profit might be just about our only hope for slamming the brakes on the influence of social media giants who are constantly profiting from the sort of dangerous ad campaigns that work to actively debase the democratic process. And it is people power, not political pressure or the threat of legislation that made it happen. I'm Allison June Smith, putting Julia on snooze for another 30 days. Reporting. For IC News. Thanks, Alison. Good news, everyone. We've finally secured a reporter for our main story of the week, and it turns out that all it takes to find someone willing to talk candidly about Israel's latest move to annex parts of the West Bank is to remember that you have interdimensional duplicates on your books who aren't covered by any of your expensive legal protections. 
Therefore, it gives me great pleasure to finally hand over to the latest incarnation of our most disposable correspondent, Rob Mulholland. Hi, Sam. I'm Rob15, and on behalf of myself and all Robs from 16 through to 782, can I just say, absolutely fucking not, and go fuck yourself. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is there nobody out there with the guts to cover this story? Oh, we're more than gutsy enough, mate. It's just we choose not to. Having watched 14 incarnations of ourselves walk into unseen horrors and perish in various horrible ways on behalf of the network, we just feel it's about time you grew a spine and did some of the heavy lifting yourself. Or is it that you're the one who's too gutless to talk about what's happening in the West Bank, which is why you've spent all episode trying to palm it off onto anyone else? What about Rob 783? He's a Nazi sympathiser. Ah, so, uh, probably not the best optics on this one, then. Probably not, no. Can I, um, can I have his number anyway, please? You are fucking unbelievable. Bye, Sam. (laughs) Okay, fine. You know what? I almost definitely have been overly cautious about ever discussing the Israel-Palestine crisis, and not least because, to the casual observer, it can sometimes feel like such an impenetrable mess that it would be impossible to ever develop a nuanced enough understanding of it. However, when I've been talking about the news publicly for five years, and I consider myself to be more left of centre than most, it's an abdication of my moral responsibility to fail to call out behaviour of the Israeli state towards the Palestinian people that I find to be terrifying and abhorrent. However, I somehow still manage to find myself deeply concerned that so many of my ideological allies on the left seem incapable at times of recognising and untangling their dislike of plutocracy and neoliberalism from the unpleasant threads of shady and conspiratorial illusions that feed into deeply problematic and anti-Semitic stereotypes. That being said, criticism of Israeli policy is not inherently anti-Semitic, and any attempt to recast it as such is disingenuous and dangerous. The Jewish community is not, by any stretch of the imagination, one enormous Zionist monolith, and nor are all of the members of it that believe or live in the sovereign Jewish state committed to the erasure of the Palestinian people. Such gross generalisations are as reductive as they are hateful, and they must be extricated carefully from any criticism of Israeli policy. But let's not fuck about, Israeli policy is currently disgusting, and the latest move towards illegally seizing land in the West Bank is as abhorrent as it is counterintuitive to any illusion of Israel's commitment to a peaceful two-state solution. This week saw July the 1st come and go without incident, a date on which embattled and barely elected Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had insisted he would be bringing plans to the Knesset to annex up to 30% of the West Bank. That nothing concrete actually happened is no reassurance for Palestinians who have withdrawn their participation from negotiations with Israel, who they now see as having failed to uphold their obligations to work towards a peaceful resolution to decades of Israel's brutal occupation of Palestinian territory. Annexation has long been a cornerstone of Netanyahu's numerous bids to remain in power, as it plays favourably with his right-wing base and handily distracts from his own obvious corruption and deeply autocratic tendencies. Despite only clinging on to power by way of a coalition with Benny Gantz's Blue and White Party in the last election, Netanyahu's expansionist fantasies have been emboldened of late by a supportive regime in the US and a peace plan penned by Jared Kushner, a man who literally only exists to fuck by proxy the things Trump isn't allowed to, like his daughter and the whole of Palestine. Kushner's plans for the West Bank threatened to isolate and disconnect even more of the Palestinian community already suffering horrifically as a result of the occupation. 
the withdrawal of the Palestinian Authority's involvement with Israel has left many of them incapable of accessing medical care or obtaining permits to work and travel. That Netanyahu appears to have tapped the brake on his ambitions for the West Bank for now may only be a temporary pause, as many reports are now claiming that Trump himself is losing faith in Kushner's guidance on key issues leading up to the November election. Netanyahu has a keen eye for weaponizing American support, and he may see an opportunity brewing with a friendly American president freshly disconnected from his more cautious advisers and desperate to have a big impact on his free-falling poll numbers. Couple that with the fact that a Biden administration would be almost certain to oppose annexation, and the West Bank faces a disturbingly short time frame in which Netanyahu may yet make an aggressive play for territory. If that sounds like a troubling prospect to you, it should be. Under the leadership of a dogmatic ideologue like Netanyahu, a man who has overseen war crimes and brutal human rights abuses and by his own admission has no interest in the establishment of a Palestinian state, it's a recipe for further apartheid and genocide. Now I don't know about you, but I think both of those prospects kind of suck, and I really hope it isn't anti-Semitic to say so. But if it is, this has been fun, and I guess 25 episodes is a nice round number to get cancelled on. Hopefully we'll be back next week, but for now we leave you with the headlines you may have missed. Richard Maidley apologises after giving some terrible domestic abuse advice, proving that he recognises a fist in a woman's face about as well as he does a foot in his own mouth. A woman in the States has aggressively attacked several bullets with her own body after trying to steal a Nazi flag from outside an American patriot's home, proving once again that Antifa are violent monsters who have to be stopped. The United States greedily buys up nearly all of the next three months' supply of remdesivir, proving that it approaches coronavirus treatments in much the same way that it approaches a Big Mac meal. And finally, hundreds of elephants in Botswana have died in mysterious circumstances after being first spotted walking in circles before face-planting directly into the ground. The unknown neurological condition has been nicknamed Negotiating Brexit. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. Hello, you've reached freelance reporter Monty Burns. If you'd like to book me for work, please leave your name and number after the tone and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If you're Sam at IC News and you're still trying to rope someone else in to help you dodge saying anything remotely controversial about the human rights crisis unfolding in the West Bank, I'll just stop you right there, pal. I've already spoken to Danny and if you think I'm going to let some little home county's bag throw me to the fucking lions like that, you're kidding yourself. Grow up here and do it your fucking self. Oh, if you're not Sam at IC News, I apologise for my use of language. Thank you. Shit. But that's fucked up with The Guardian. You've just been listening to the IC News podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, 
So if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.